This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined once again by my fat producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And this is a special WNBA playoff edition of Around the Rim, where we will recap what has happened so far in the playoffs. And now we're looking forward to the finals. That's right. Two teams have etched their names into that final bracket. That is the L.A. Sparks and the Minnesota Lynx. But just quickly, let's talk about how we got here. So with that, let's head into the first quarter. First quarter. First of all, just qualifying for the playoffs, it was the top eight seeds based on winning percentage. So there's no Western Conference. There's no Eastern Conference. That is what set up this matchup between two Western Conference teams, which happened to be the number one and number two overall seed during the regular season. So in round one, the Phoenix Mercury took on the Indiana Fever. Diana Taurasi and company would put an end to Tamika Ketching's career Thank you, Catch, for everything you have done. We're hopefully we'll have Tamika on around the rim at some point in the future. But uh, the Phoenix Mercury finding their mojo to start the playoffs right in time, the eighth seed. And also in that first round, our guest for today's show, Sue Bird and Seattle Storm, took on the Atlanta Dream. Seattle, the most dangerous and exciting team uh, to end the regular season, took on the Atlanta Dream. In Atlanta, they did fall um, 85 to 94. Angel McCautry, I mean, is there a better player to watch in the playoffs? I don't think there is. Um, was amazing and pushed her team to a victory. So Sue Bird and, and Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, their season would end there. We moved to round two. Phoenix would move on to yet another road game. And they took on Tina Charles and the New York Liberty. Phoenix would beat the New York Liberty 101 to 94 for their second consecutive road win, which is not easy to do in the playoffs. Again, this is the new format. So we say goodbye to Tina Charles. We also say goodbye to Swin Cash. Um, Swin and, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit to Sue Bird about this later in the show, but a winner in every sense of the word. So thankful for all she's done to build this league. So moving on to the second matchup of round two, the Atlanta Dream, Angel McCautry, they hit the road to take on the Chicago Sky, the Atlanta Deladon-less Chicago Sky. Sky put up a fight. They played probably the best game I have seen them play ever without the services of Deladon, beating the Atlanta Dream 108-98. to The Dream did regain the services of Tiffany Hayes, but it wasn't enough as Courtney Vandersloot and really a balanced offensive attack would advance to the semifinals. Now, the first two rounds were single elimination, and the semifinals were the best of five. So, in that best of five matchup, we had, again, the Phoenix Mercury taking on the number one overall seed, the Minnesota Lynx. And, wow, it was really a lot of Maya Moore and a lot of Maya Moore. <laughs> no, it was the Minnesota Lynx. I mean, balance attack. We'll talk a little bit to Sue about that later. But long story short, it would be a sweep. Minnesota advances to the finals. On the other side 
of the bracket, we had the L.A. Sparks, the number two seed. Now, this was a lot of rest for the number one and number two seed. L.A. had 12 days between the end of their regular season to the beginning of the playoffs, and they looked fantastic. They came out um, and defeated the L.A. Sparks, scoring 95 points in their first game, 99 in their second game, and it looked like it was going to be a sweep until the Chicago Sky in game three would beat the L.A. Sparks 70-66 to behind a great defensive effort um, by the Sky. Imani Boyette was fantastic. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot once again in company would extend the series to four games, but unfortunately that would be it because the L.A. Sparks behind 29 points from Candace Parker would take the Chicago Sky their season uh, 95 to 75. So with that, fans, you are all caught up. And now enough of me. Let's head to the second quarter for our special guest. Second quarter inside the huddle. Fans, we are inside the huddle so excited right now as we push towards the WNBA Finals. And I can't break this all down myself. So I had to get one of my favorite people and players in women's basketball history. I'm just going to be honest right now and a little biased. Um, you know, I think having the experience at this time of the year and knowing kind of what these players are going through and sharing that with our fans is so important. So Join me in welcoming to the show two-time WNBA champion, four-time Olympic gold medalist, Sue Bird. Welcome to the show, Sue. Hey, thank you. Well, we're excited to have you on. Let me just say this off the top. So I think you're an amazing player, but I think you had me (laughs) sold when I found out that you knew some Biggie lyrics, like you and I may go toe-to-toe on some Biggie Smalls. So we will save that for another show, but I'm coming for you on that, like, oh, for real. Is that cool? Bring it. I'm, I'm from New York. You know that, right? Don't let, don't let my Yukon roots fool you. I'm actually from New York. <laughs> I know. Like, you look like born the, the girl next door, but you've got, like, this hip-hop background. <laughs> exactly. Born and raised on Biggie. So um, I'm ready for you. <laughs> I love that. Well, we're excited to have your expertise. Um, So we are going to talk first WNBA semifinals, and then we will push and do a finals preview. Let's start with the first team um, to lock themselves into a finals appearance, and that is the Minnesota Lynx. They swept the Phoenix Mercury, who the Phoenix was the A seed, obviously the Minnesota Lynx, the number one seed. And let's just start this off with some post-game sound from our Holly Rowe and Lindsey Whalen. Lindsey Whalen, five times in the last six years, your team fights through to the WNBA Finals. What is special about this group that in the playoffs, your mindset is so precious? Uh, we have great leadership, so um, we take our um, leadership from our coaches, and we um, we take from them, um, you know, the game plan and everything that, that they want us to do, and um, we take their lead, and we try our best to, to do what we can, and, um, you know, this time of year is always, um, it's tough, you know, really tough games, but, um, you know, you got to just manage the best you can and try to get the wins. Your bigs were in foul trouble today, Maya in foul trouble in the first half, and you really came in and took over. How do you describe how you were able to turn the course of this game? Well, I could kind of sense we were a little passive, so we came out, you know, typical game three, you know, everybody's had a ton of video on each other, so, you know, we were kind of just coming in, we were letting their pressure kind of dictate what we were doing, and um, 
you know, I thought we just needed to be a little more aggressive and try to, um, you know, like I said, dictate action. And I don't know. I got in there a few times. I was able to make a couple shots. So it, um, it went well for us. Lindsay Whalen just makes it sound so cool and so easy, you know. She's like, oh, you know, it's our leadership. She's like, you know, hit a couple shots. But, Sue, you know very well it's not easy to make it to the finals, and it's definitely not easy to make it there five times in the last six years like Minnesota has. How challenging is it really to do uh, what they've done? I mean, obviously it's incredibly challenging. No other team has done that, you know, and and it speaks to – Obviously, their talent level, which is there. You know, they have four Olympians. Um, you know, some of, I think, players that are going to go down as, as the best ever, the best in their position potentially. So they've got a lot of talent, which you need in this league. But it goes beyond that with Minnesota. You know, so not only are they the most talented team, they're probably the most disciplined. Um, they really do execute, execute their game plan the way Lindsay said. You know, and against them, you have to be prepared for a dogfight. They basically know your plays better than you do. You know, they just do a tremendous job with scouting. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. You call out a play, they're calling it out right after. So when you go against Minnesota, wow. it's, just, it's just a mind game. It really is. And I think when you go, get, go against them in a series, it becomes even harder. So for them, you know, they just kind of do what they do. They play their game, and, and it speaks a lot to, to their mentality. Again, just like Lindsay said. And their opponent in the Phoenix Mercury, you know, when you look at their season, obviously it was a surprise to everyone that they would be crawling into the playoffs up and down year for sure. Some were very disappointed in the fact that it was a sweep. You know, I tried to put my finger on kind of what was going on with Phoenix all year, and I don't think I ever narrowed it down. Um, What did you see from them this season and then um, in the semifinals uh, that you kind of took away from their overall year? Right. Well, I think Phoenix, um, they obviously did have an up and down year. And I think some of it was they came in with some um, um, like incredible expectations, pretty high expectations. Everybody picked them to win and, and rightfully so. They basically had the same core group back from two years ago. But again, that was two years ago. And, and what I don't think, you know, everybody around the league, including the people on the team in Phoenix, realized was just how dramatically the league changed in two years. Mm-hmm. You know, because the league got better, teams got better, it got harder, more athletic, quicker. And, you know, Phoenix, they came in, I think, thinking they were just going to do what they did two years ago. And, and when those expectations exist that way and, and when you get off to a slow start, then all of a sudden things get mental. And then all of a sudden, you know, people get a little tight and you start questioning things. And, and from there you could just see. You could see it in, in their play. Now, when they were good and they put all that to the side, they were good. You know, that's no surprise that um, they were able to, to win two games on the road in, in that first part of the playoffs and get to the semifinals. I don't think anyone was surprised by that. But then once they got there, I think they were a little tired. You know, they were on the road for forever, you know, and then they have to go against Minnesota, who's just sitting there waiting for them. Um, so all in all, it was, it, was, it was tough for Phoenix. I think, um, you know, I'm sure they, if they could go back and do a couple of things different, they would. I don't think it was a bad season for them. I think it looks bad because they had such high expectations. Um, and, and sometimes that can, yeah. again, be a mind game. 
Yeah, and uh, you make a great point. I mean, shoot, they did have to win two hard games on the road at Indiana and at New York, which was the number yep. three seed. And that's mm-hmm. not easy to do, especially when you've had those ups and downs. And, you know, one thing I thought was kind of and, – and I guess talking now more specifically about the matchup with Minnesota in the semifinals, one thing that stood out to me was definitely the play of Brittany Griner. And I know you spent some time on the national team with her. And, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of a changing of the guard. You talked about the league getting better. And I agree. I mean, not only through the last two years, but even through the course of this season, your team would be an example of that, of just how right, teams can yeah. get better um, as time goes on. But is is Brittany, is it now Brittany's turn to take that team over? Um, or do you think there's too much pressure on Griner? You know, she had a couple games where she didn't even get to double figures. And is that just, in your opinion, out of the question for a player that has been so dominant in stretches like she has? Mm-hmm. No, I think um, I think it's the natural progression. You know, it's, she's only been in the league four years now. Um, and so it is it is probably time for her to turn the corner. And, and you know, you mentioned the Olympics, and you saw her do that. In, in that from, yes. from the start of the WNBA season, you know, I think she had a little bit of a rough go to start and was kind of getting better. But at the Olympics, I mean, you really felt her establish herself out there. And I think mm-hmm. she took that feeling, that experience, and carried it back with her to Phoenix. And she had some of her, her better games post-Olympic break. And you can see it. I mean, she's right there. She's knocking on the door to, to be that present. I mean, she already is. You know, regardless of how many points mm-hmm. she scored, and I think a lot of that was, you know, she was in foul trouble, so you can't score if you're not on the floor. But right, her so her presence is made regardless. But I think she will start to become more of a focal point, you know, in that franchise. Um, obviously, with Penny's retirement, things you know things are going to change and adjust. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm sure BG will you know be ready for it. And as we put a wrap on, on Minnesota. You know, and we'll talk a little bit more about their matchup with L.A. in a few. But what did you feel like ultimately allowed them to sweep Phoenix? Like, what did you see in that series was the biggest yeah. factor to them them sweeping? Yeah, well, I think Minnesota's greatest strength is their bench. Um, they, you know, assuming you look at a WNBA team and you assume they're going to be talented, you know, they're going to have great players and household names even – and against Phoenix, I mean, both teams had that, right? You look at those starting fives, and it's like, mm-hmm. wow. And that's actually probably what Phoenix was also missing. Um, I think people forgot how good their bench was in 2014. But you fast yes. forward, you look at Minnesota, it's their bench that gets you. I mean, don't get me wrong. Maya can erupt for 40, and, you know, Lindsay can carry the team. Same with Simone, same with Sylvia. But it's, it's the Rebecca Brunsons, you know, it's the Natasha Howard, it's the Gia Perkins, the Renee Montgomery's. Those, when those players come in and, and the level of play doesn't drop, that's when Minnesota gets you. That's when they go on their runs. Um, and that's really where I think Shoa Reeve, her staff, the organization, in free agency did such a good job of allowing you know, her star players to just be who they are, not have to stress, knowing that they have a second group coming in that's going to you know, keep things going. That's, that's where they won their games, in my opinion. I mean, Phoenix had ups and downs within their, their own play. But, you know, Minnesota just stays consistent. 
Yeah, it's really amazing how those puzzle pieces fit together in Minnesota. I mean, to have mm-hmm. that much talent on one roster and you're starting five, but then also on the bench, everyone accepting their roles. And yep. what I thought was so interesting about the bench unit is it's almost a different team. Like the identity of that first unit is a team that has chemistry. They know their roles. You know, they know their plays in and out and that kind of thing. When that second unit comes in, there's more athleticism, there's speed. Like you've yeah. got to turn to page two on the scouting report and almost change your approach to how you guard that second unit or how you play them versus the first. And that's a difficult mindset change in the middle of a game. It is. And they just are constantly coming at you, you know, and, and where you generally speaking, and this is obviously my experience, more so my experience in Seattle this year, we were, we had, we had games where we were able to keep up, you know, keep up for a quarter, keep up for a half. But at some point, you know, generally in the third quarter, they're like a big third quarter team. At some point, they get you, and they go on like a twelve to two run, and then boom, ten point lead, and you, you can never recover. At some point, they wear you down, and that's because for forty minutes, whether they sub or not, they're just incredibly consistent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So we will talk a little more Minnesota Lynx in a minute when we preview the matchup with L.A. But right now, let's turn the page to the L.A. Sparks, who sealed the deal, and they are headed to the WNBA Finals, Candace Parker's first finals, which was shocking to me uh, upon realizing that. And let's start with some sound from that last game. Candace, you said that expectations were low for your team coming into this season. How did you make it to the WNBA Finals? Well, first of all, this organization deserves it. Um, I remember eight seasons ago, Sophia Young hit that shot, and, you know, we were like, we're going to be back there. We're going to be back there, and who knew it was just going to be eight years later. But we kept grinding, and at the beginning of the season, we never doubted ourselves. We just kept doing the little things, and I think that's what got us here. When you look at your career, so many accomplishments, NCAA championships, Olympic gold medals, but what does this mean for you to make it to your first WNBA Finals? It means a lot. I love my team. Our team. I love our, our team. I love our team chemistry and uh from day one of training camp, we set this as our goal, uh, winning a championship and just one step closer. Your opponent in getting that championship will be the Minnesota Lynx, a heavyweight fight. What are you looking forward to most in taking them on once again? Well, we know Minnesota's a good team. They've got experience um, and, and they're talented. And it's going to be a dogfight. And I feel like, you know, we're going to do our best to prepare and see what happens. So that was Candace Parker um, after game four when they advanced after beating Chicago. And this team looked, Sue, and I, I'm going to get your thoughts. They looked rested. That was the first thing I thought of. You know, they had 12 days being, you know, the number two seed. They had 12 days between their last regular season game and when they actually started playing. And I was like, wow. They had an incredible bounce in their step. In particular, Candace Parker that I thought looked very healthy. Um, what were your overall observations of, of L.A.? Um, yeah, I think they're playing well. They're playing well at the right time. And um, coming out of Olympic break, for whatever reason, uh, it seemed as if, because we, we actually played them two times, it seemed as if they were, you know, maybe maybe to what you're, to your point, just, just a step slow or just a little off. And that can happen, you know. I, I think mentally when you've already clinched the playoffs, you know, you're not, 
yeah, you're jockeying a little bit for home court advantage, but you know they, they weren't really by by the last three or four games. And and mentally, you can kind of take a little bit of you know you can relax a little bit. When that happens, your play relaxes as well. So I think you know their play headed into the playoffs obviously wasn't going to be an indicator of of, of what we saw in the semis because they came out ready to go. And um, you know you can see that that they're a team on a mission. That's that's really how it seemed all season, just a team on a mission. And I think, um, you know, that's not surprising with the talent that they have, with the hunger that they have, and with Brian Adler as their coach. Yeah, you mentioned Brian Adler, and obviously you know him well um, from Seattle and your championship there. What is it, in your opinion, because you know what his stamp looks like? Where is his Mm -hmm. stamp on this team? Uh, First and foremost, it's like, oozing out of Elena Beard. I mean, Brian loves defense, and Brian loves to get his team to be uh, crazy on the defensive end. And you saw it with Tanisha Wright, you know, back in 2010 and Camille Little. Those were our two, like, backbones when it came to the, to the defensive side of things. And you see it in Elena Beard, and she sets the tone for the entire team. Now, everybody else plays defense as well, but she really gets out there, you know, forces guards to, you know, do things differently and, and, and really has an impact on what, what things um, the other team is going to run. And, and you really have to make a game plan based on her. And, and with that, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody else feeds off that. And that's where you see Brian coming out 100%. Yeah, he was really, I mean, I enjoyed really covering him more closely than I know I had early in my career through this stretch because one thing I know stood out to me, and that was how he has a pulse on his team and on his players, you know, and and Mm an example of that is coming out of the Olympic break, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, they stumbled. Coming out of yeah. this break, they look sharp. And I asked Brian, you know, what was different? He said, you know, I, I talked to the team and asked him, what did we do wrong in that time? And he said, you know, they felt like we went too hard. Like we were practicing right. too hard during the Olympic break and they came back fatigued. So what does he do? He goes back and he shortens practices. They still went really hard, but they shortened him. So he allowed them to get mm-hmm. some rest and kind of read the pulse. And, and I thought that was great. But, uh, you know, in a timeout last night, Christy Tolliver said to the team, and you know how much Tolliver loves offense. We all know how much Tolliver <laughs> loves offense. Yeah. She says, if we don't score another basket in this game, we have to defend. And in my mind, I said, Brian Agler's culture has definitely <laughs> impacted this team because we have never seen that. So in the matchup with Chicago, right. obviously, Elena Deladon is not there. Um, Captain Pondexter was actually under the weather the first couple of games. And so she just never seemed to, to get to herself. You know, she's got championship experience. She's got finals mm-hmm. experience. But I feel like during this time of year, you have to have – those go-to players, and obviously L.A. has Candace, but they also have NECA. In your opinion, what is the significance of having Candace and NECA, you know, it, it perform the way they have at this point of the year? Um, I mean, you said it. You, your, your best players have to play great. That's, you can't get around it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you might be able to get around it for one game if you're lucky too, but you're not going to get around it for a series, and you're sure – it's all not going to get around it for an entire, you know, playoffs. So for those two mm-hmm. to be playing the way they're playing, it's, um, you know, I think it puts everybody else at ease. It's, it allows Christy to, to, to step up and hit shots. It, it allows, you know, Jonta Lavender to step up and, and make plays. It allows AB to do what she does. Um, it just kind of puts everyone in place. And the thing, you know, obviously they're, they're two different players. They go about things differently, but they're both very consistent. And, and you know exactly what you're going to get. And a lot of what they do um, looks very easy. It's 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 not 
as easy as it looks to make it look really easy, but it is easy basket. You know, Neca and Candace both can score around the bucket, and sometimes that can settle a team down, you know, to see the ball go through the hoop that way. Yeah, yeah, they've scored it at a high percentage, number one in field goal percentage this season in the WNBA. And I do agree, the defense, again, going back to Elena Beard, I mean, when's the last time L.A. had two members of the all-defensive team in the WNBA? That's totally Brian Agler and has never, to my knowledge, since their championship days, really been a part of their identity. And I wanted to ask you this really quick before we move on to the finals. You know, last night I was thinking to myself watching Candace, you've played with Lauren Jackson, you know, you've played with Elena Deladon now, you know, on the Olympic team. And we talk about the those those point forward type players, you know, Brianna Stewart, mm-hmm. um, who obviously you, you've played with this season and, and just the skill set. Where does Candace, in your opinion, separate herself in terms of what makes her unique in that group of players that can play both inside and outside? Right. Well, I mean, I think we talk about this group, you know, the four that you just mentioned, um, because they're tall, you know, and they're traditionally post yeah. players. Um, but they're all four of them are so very different. And and where Candace, I think, separates herself is she's more of a guard. She thinks like a guard. She wants to make the pass like a guard. You know, um, she wants to handle the ball like a guard. She's way more guard like than than the other players. Mm-hmm. The difference is she she generally just plays the four. You know, you're you see Elena Deladon at the three a little bit. Lauren was more of like mm-hmm. a like you know down low post player. And and Stewie at times you know, we'll handle the ball, bring the ball up. But Candace is just way more guard-like than those other guys. And and you see it, you know, that's why she's able to fill up a box score. You know, Candace's biggest strength is her ability to do a lot of things really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I was totally impressed. I mean, she had 29 points in that game four. You know, I thought the things that impressed me most about her play were that she was going to the boards on every possession. You know, she had double figure mm-hmm. rebounds in this playoff run. Um, and then she took better care of the ball. You know, I think during the regular season, her and Angel McCautry were flirting for first place in, in turnovers. And so that can yeah. take away from your value when you are a good assist giver. But I thought that she did a fantastic job of cleaning that up. Fans, that is not it with Sue Bird. She is staying with us. So this is halftime. We will be right back with the third quarter to talk finals matchup and a little more about Sue Bird right after this. Third quarter. Scouting report. All right. Now it's time for the scouting report, Sue. This conversation sets us up for the big matchup in the WNBA Finals. It's a five-game series, best of five, and the Minnesota Lynx will play the L.A. Sparks. How do you see this playing out? Um, Well, first and foremost, I am just actually genuinely excited for this final series to start. Um, you know, I'm a WNBA player, so obviously I pay attention and I watch and I'm a fan, but I haven't been this excited for a finals in a really long time. Um, you know, the, the new playoff format kind of did that, allowed the two best teams who have been the two best teams all season long kind of square off and meet in the finals. So it should be great. And I'm hoping for five games. I think we all are. You know, no sweep, not <laughs> yep. even four. I want to see all five nope. games played. And, uh, you know, I think it's because they, they match up. It's an interesting matchup. You know, they, they match up really well. And, um, you know, I think Minnesota is obviously the team that you're going to look at. You're going to see the experience. You're going to see the, you know, the finals experience, the championship experience. They know exactly who they are and what they want to do. L.A. is a little bit of a newcomer, but they have this hunger about them. And we talked about it in the second quarter with the hunger. That sometimes is all you need. 
Because every team in this league is good. Every team wants to win, but it's who's the hungriest team. And believe me, if anyone knows it's me, Brian Agler is preaching that right now. That is his go-to line. <laughs> so I think LA will come out, and if they can be the hungrier team, it can make for an interesting series. Yeah, so for the fans, this kicks off this Sunday on ABC. It's game one. The first two games of the series at Minnesota. The second two will be at L.A., obviously, hopefully necessary, a game four in L.A., and then game five will be back at Minnesota. And when you look at the matchup in the regular season, these teams met three times. The first time was a barn burner in L.A. where Renee Montgomery hits a huge three, um, a big anticipated matchup after the way that those two teams started, historical starts for both. And then game two, it was L.A. by 18 at Minnesota, which, Sue, you know is not easy to do in Minneapolis. And game three ended up being, really, it was all Minnesota. But, again, it was back to that L.A. Sparks um, you know, post Olympic, I don't know, kind of sleepwalking they Long, were going through, yeah. whatever that phase, yeah, whatever that phase was. So, where do you think each of these teams has an advantage when you look at their lineups, when you look at their style of play? Give me one place that each team um, has the advantage in the matchup. Well, like I was saying earlier, Minnesota does such a good job of scouting. They, they really do. And, and in a series, what ends up happening as you go from game one to two and so on, um, it becomes less about running your plays, less about, you know, making, um, you know, just less about running your plays and more about making plays. So if L.A. can have that mindset of, all right, listen, we may have called a play, Minnesota blew it up, but what happens next? I think they can have success offensively because L.A. has pieces they have the ability to score and that forces minnesota who usually likes to pack it in to 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 come out Mm -hmm. and then from there it can open things up for candace and mecca now what i just said is a lot easier said than done um it's not easy (laughs) to, to play that way minnesota makes you play a certain way and for for them you know i think they're probably just thinking all right we just need to play our game and and that's where their experience is going to kick i think Again, it's, it's, it's almost hard to talk X's and O's because I don't think this series is going to have anything to do with that. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. And big names show up in big games. I think it is going to be about the broken play, the extra effort that you talked about, the Brian Agler t- preaches, yep. the heart. But then, you know, just m- making plays, you know, whether that's King or Maya Moore, you know, she scares me. I'll be honest with you. Like anytime Maya has the possibility of a championship trophy in front of her, it's scary Mm -hmm. because she has been fantastic. I mean, three championships already under her belt. And I don't know what you do about Maya, you know, and I know you played with her and against her. But, you know, I go back to something that – Simone Augusta shared with me early in the season and actually Tina Charles echoed this same sentiment. Both of them said, I don't know that I've ever seen Maya this relaxed. You know, she, mm-hmm. she, she's a woman of few words. She kind of mm-hmm. leads by example. She just has that championship mentality, but they both said they felt like she had a lot of pressure on her coming into the league to win championships, to stamp, establish herself, but she may seem like she's enjoying the ride a little bit more, which may make her more dangerous um, <laughs> that she's having fun. Um, what What is it about Maya that you've seen from her that really makes her one of the best at this time of the season? I mean, Maya's just good. I, I don't even know what else to say. You know, she just what – she's, what she's able to do, you know, at her size, um, with her ability, you know, her ability to shoot, how consistent she is with that, um, and just – make plays the way she does. It goes across the board. 
you know, you can always count on Maya. Maya rarely has bad games. Like, when you really think about it, yeah. Maya rarely, rarely has off nights or bad games. You know, she's constantly yeah. hustling. Um, she's, she's really easy to play with in that, in that way. She's just, you know what you're going to get from her, you know? And, and with that, yeah. I mean, it's impressive what she's been able to do. You can't, you can't go around that. And she's kind of a nightmare. And I think when you, when you go into a game against Minnesota, you might want to, you know, you might, it might be obvious to the naked eye to say, oh, yeah, just, you know, stop Maya Moore, figure that out. But in some ways, you're like, you know what, Maya's going to get 30. Let's just, okay, she's going to, let's give her 30, and let's make sure nobody else gets 20. You know, that might be the way yeah. to go about this. Yeah, and I thought you made a great point earlier. When I think about these two teams, the first thing I think is about the bench. And I think L.A. is going to definitely have to get more inconsistent contributions. Chelsea Gray, I think, has played some of her best basketball as of late, which they need. And then Jantel after will have to be sixth woman of the year because they have to match that depth. But I'm looking forward to what Brian Agler comes up with against the Minnesota offense because they are so balanced. And we've seen some of his game plans. I mean, when you look at the regular season it's been awkward in terms of who the leading scores have been for each team mm-hmm. like I think both Cheryl Reeve and Brian force you to play outside of your strengths um, so you know Minnesota I think would have a benefit in that situation because they do go so deep but is yeah. Atlanta Beard going to play Waylon? you know is is he going to yeah, put Beard know. on Maya you know Essence Carson is a, is a is a solid defender as well especially on the ball so um, I'm curious to see what he'll do there but he's definitely yeah, he's, a very good coach game planning. Yeah, and he's got options, just like you said, you know, and, yeah. and that's a good thing for them going into this. That's a good thing going against Minnesota. But really, I yeah. mean, I think we've both said this. Um, it's it's going to come down to who makes plays because both teams like to muddy it up. Both teams like to make you do something else. So which team has that ability? And it might come down to a bench thing. You know, it might just come down to who yeah. gets more production from the bench. Well, I got to make you uh, force a prediction here, Sue. I hate to put you on the spot, but <laughs> you said you wanted to go five, so we'll go five. Yeah, but who we'll do you think five. takes it? Oh, my gosh. I'm not good at this part. These are like people okay, I see, okay. you know, I can't be picking. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay, we won't make you pick, but we do want to go five. I will ask you this, though. Do you think either team will win on the other team's home court? Um, hmm. Good question. If I say yes, that means both are doing it, so that's tricky. But, um, yeah, I actually do think that will happen. I do think that will happen. I love that. So we'll see. I love when that happens. To me, that's the mark of a, of a great series is when you can steal a game on the on your opponent's home court. Oh, All yeah. right, so that's we've got the good. word from Sue. We're, we can't let you go, though, yet. We have a couple of quick-fire <laughs> questions for you. I just want to get your thoughts before we let you go. Um, let's okay. First of all, let's talk about your season. I, I just thought you were fantastic, Sue. You know, like, uh, you turn back you. the hands of time. You change back to the curly ponytail, and what do we know? <laughs> it's like a drink from the fountain of youth. And then, I mean, <laughs> Seattle, you guys gave us some of our most exciting basketball down the stretch of, of the regular season. I know your playoff run ended a little early, but what's been the key to just how – you've revived yourself and Seattle throughout this season? Um, for myself, it was just, it was more, that work was done in the off season. You know, what you saw come to come to play during the games. I put that work in months and months before. And that was just about, you know, taking care of my body, getting back to being healthy and, and all that other good stuff. And some of it's mental. So I had to work on that part too. And as far as our, our team, I think we got better at the end of the season because we 
played together for long stretches. I think the Olympic break mm-hmm. did wonders for, for those that were in Seattle working out. You saw a different level of confidence. I mean, Jewel came back this year, just a much more mature player. Stewie's obviously an incredible talent, and we just kind of ride them. And we have young legs. I mean, we would always talk about, always talk about the way that we were going to beat teams was to just keep going, just keep going, keep pushing the tempo, push the tempo, and eventually they would wear down. And, and that's really what happened in a lot of our wins. Um, and, you know, we got to know each other on the court and, and we had a really good, good thing going chemistry wise. And that's where I think you saw, you know, you saw us get better. Um, and even though our playoff run ended and, and we were all sad about that, you know, nobody wins in their first go and you kind of need that experience to, to motivate. And, and again, this word hunger is coming up, you know, you want to be hungry. And I think this season left everybody on the Seattle team really hungry for next year. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the pace. You guys were so fun between how quickly you were able to score, you know, in transition and open court opportunities, but also how well you started to hit the three, you know, even when Kalina Muscata-Lewis started to come on or when Talk came back from the Olympics, like you could start to see the talent level really rise. And boy, it was it was so fun. But I I enjoyed watching you you so much this season on top of winning another gold medal. Congratulations (laughs) on that. Um, Wow. I mean, you and Diana and Tamika, and, and I want to go there really quickly. Tamika Catchings, Swin Cash, Penny Taylor, all retiring. Just tell me one thing that you will take from each of them uh, that you've learned in, in the time that you've spent. Well, um, I was really lucky to, you know, play with Swin for as long as I did at, in various teams. Um, you know, really lucky to play with Catch. I never got to play with Penny, but She's actually one of my, my favorite players, you know, because um, playing against her was so hard. And I, and I really appreciated what she brought, you know, to her, to the game, to her teams. Um, you know, Penny, I don't think I've ever seen a player with her ability to finish and, and take a hit ever. I mean, she will go down yes. as one of the best, yes. in my opinion, when it comes to Crafty, that. Um, strong. Yeah, yes, totally. I agree. The way she, she can play at her pace at all times and the game seems so slow the way you know the like like it's moving in slow motion for her and the way she drives and at the very end you know those those little sidestep slow motion it, it's <laughs> I mean she was always fun yeah. to watch um you know for Swin it's it's close to home you know that's that's my college roommate we've been through so much together and I'm sad I think of, of all those three players Swin makes me the saddest because you know that's kind of a part of me retiring you know we went through so much mm-hmm. together on the basketball court off the court as well um, so it's kind of weird. It's it's weird to think that Swin won't yeah. be playing anymore. Um, but, you know, Swin won everywhere she went. And, and that's something I talked about when I spoke at her retirement. You know, one thing you can't take away from someone is being a winner. And Swin was 100% a winner. She won everywhere yeah. she went. And, and you know, that that is really, I know for her, the legacy she wants to leave. And then, of course, Catch. I mean, there's so much you can say about her. Um, the one thing I think I've learned from Tamika Catchings playing against her, playing with her, is just I've never seen anybody go that hard. You know, never takes a playoff, never takes a possession off, just 100% at all times. Um, And to play at that level and to be able to play that way, you know, you learn a lot from somebody when you're around that. Yeah, I mean, what those three have done so much for the league. And, you know, we do want to mention Delisha Milton-Jones is retiring and Jane Appel is is also retiring. And I think Lindsay Harding may have have announced her retiring. Sorry if I left anyone out, but uh, the game is definitely 
um, going to miss all of them, but in particular, Penny and, and Swin and Tamika have given so much to the game. So quickly, I want to change gears and put on your uh, front office hat. So uh, looking at the, or and you can use your fan hat a little bit if you want to, or your player's okay. hat on, on this first question. Um, the new playoff format, you talked about the excitement. Uh, okay. um, is yeah. it, if we, is it a keeper or no, not so much. What do you think about it? <laughs> Um, I, I, I like it. I mean, I think, so the things you, you didn't take into consideration, not just the general you didn't take into consideration was, and this, this happened to Phoenix. It would have happened to us. When you're that lower seated team, you could end up being on the road for like two weeks. And Woo! It, yes. Yeah. I mean, you're going from, and, and the way it played out, I know for us, I think for Phoenix, it basically did too. They had to go East coast, East coast, and then Minnesota. You know, so you, you have yeah. no opportunity to go home. And with that, you're also scheduling your flights. I mean, our team, our team ops person, Talisa, she was on that laptop like nobody's business trying to get 18 different flights to because you don't know where you're going. And I think yeah. that, I mean, selfishly or not selfishly, but I mean, you, ha- you have a lot of big girls in middle seats. You know what I'm saying? And that's not really cool. So that <laughs> oh, part needs to, big girls that part like needs me. Get, exactly. <laughs> it's no fun. I'm, you know, I said, I took back to selfishly cause I'm okay. I'm little, so I fit, <laughs> but it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, we're on our whole teams on different flights at different times. So I think logistically that, that needs to be looked into. Um, and then I would, I think it's okay to have a, a one gamer in that first round, but you're in New York, you're a three seed right now, and you got bounced in one game. That's your only chance. Ooh. I mean, that kind of, that kind of stinks. So I think if they could make that a three game series, um, then I would be all for this playoff format. But I gotta say, as the seventh seed, knowing that I had a chance to, to get to the semis, all I had to do was win two games was pretty incredible. And, and I know it might be different for a higher seeded team, but I think, I think so far I, I've liked it. Just, just a few little tweaks. Yeah, and it seems like the fans have liked it. Obviously, if your team got bounced early, you're a little salty. Um, right. That's how it goes. But it seems like the fans like the excitement, like they do the NCAA tournament, because it's like you're either going to tune in and watch your team right now, or you may not see them again after this single elimination game. So fans had a reason to kind of tune in, and you know, just yeah. that excitement of a, of a one and done was always fun. But I agree. I mean, to stay on the road that long is absolutely crazy and very hard to do this league is too good to to expect to win three road games in a row or four actually before you even get to go home Um, right you know that is yeah that is really tough all right so i have a ton of things i could talk to you about but we're going to (laughs) end this with a couple of twitter uh, questions i think that tarika got from the fans so tarika what do we got Absolutely. So our first question comes from MiniMe21, and he wants to know, um, try to put into context what Cheryl Reeve, uh, Patterson, Peterson, Augustus, Brunson, Whalen, and more have accomplished in WNBA history. I'm going to assume he's talking about the five finals appearances in six years. Right. Yeah. Um, God, I don't even know how you do that. It's um, that level of excellence. I don't know that we've seen that, you know, in, in any other sport. You know, I guess maybe the Chicago Bulls, you know, ha- had a situation like that. Um, but but it, it, it's got to go down as one of the greatest, you know, across the yeah. board. Obviously, the, the greatest run in WNBA history, for sure. So Yeah, I agree. I think when it's all said and done, yeah, when it's all said and done, we'll, we'll be able to rank it. Um, but it's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, because even, you know, not to take anything away from Houston, because, boy, that was a dynasty. But, God, the league has gotten so much better talent-wise, oh, yeah. more balance. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, it's so much more competitive than it was then. So I agree with you, Sue. Okay, what else we got, Tarika? All right, last one. What should WNBA look for in replacing Renee Brown? Seems like it needs to be uh, two people. <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 and, and just so the fans know, um, Renee Brown is actually stepping down from her position at the WNBA front office. And Renee has been, and too, you know this, I mean, she's been a major part of not just the, the growth of the league that she's been a part of from day one, but um, also just women's basketball. I mean, USA basketball, she has been a part of it at various levels. So we're talking about replacing the number two person to Lisa Borders, um, which maybe it does take two people. Sue, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Renee, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, well, she was here from the start. And I don't know how you replace somebody that has that much knowledge, that much experience, um, you know, right off the bat. I think it's almost impossible. And what Renee did, you know, not just with um, the WNBA, but with USA Basketball as well. She was she was that face that as a player you saw. And I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. It was you just knew you were okay, like, oh, I made it, you know, because she shows up at the finals. She shows up, you know, for Olympics. She shows up here. She shows up, and there was always a presence about her and that you knew you were, you know, at something big. And Renee brought, like I said, all this experience to, to her role. And I'm sure there's stuff that she did that as players, we have no idea, you know? So yeah. how do you replace that? I don't think you do. I think, you know, you, you just try to learn from her as whoever it is that does take over. You just try to learn from her as much as possible and, and then, you know, maybe put your own mark on it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's a, a, a big responsibility. I mean, she was the chief of basketball operations and player relations. So there's so many aspects. And I know because I used to be a director of ops that that's kind of like that position where everything gets thrown at you. So the number of hats she had mm-hmm. to wear. And when you look at the where the WNBA is 20 years later, wow, like she has had a major hand in what this league has accomplished. And um, you know, I'm excited about what the next 20 years will bring. All right, last question for you, Sue. What are you going to be doing when the season's over, and how can we keep up with you? Because we just love us some Sue Bird. <laughs> um, <laughs> and obviously, the season, yeah. you know, when the when the finals, meaning when WNBA season's over. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, my season's been over. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> no, okay. But, um, so, yeah, I uh, the last two seasons, I haven't gone overseas. I won't be going again. And um, pretty much the same thing I've been doing the last couple of years, which is, you know, be home in America. Um, I did some commentating, which I enjoyed. So hopefully I'll get to do that again and, and just kind of see what my way. Definitely going to stay <laughs> working out, um, get ready for the season. That's always the priority. And, uh, yeah, just see what pops up. Um, what I can get my myself into, what kind of trouble I can find. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'll say this. We love your commentary, so I'm so happy to hear about that. Um, I'm looking for a new co-host for Around the Rim, so you and I will talk about that oh, offline. But okay. I would <laughs> – you are uh, numero uno on my list. Um, right, my request for Sue – my request for Sue may be a couple highlights. I know this is a stretch for you, but when we talked about your hair in the preseason uh-huh. and you were like, I might, I'm going to change it. And I like the curls. I love the way it bought back the old Sue Bird. I would yes. love to see some light colors in your hair. I think you wanted, that would be beautiful you wanted me to color you. it. I've never colored my hair. So if I did this, it would be major. Okay. Just at It'd least think major. about it. 
Um, but a lot to be excited about in listening to you talk about workouts because Seattle, I mean, you guys definitely are the future in so many ways. And so, um, looking forward to that as well. Well, Sue, thank you. I'm sorry to have kept you so long. I didn't plan on it, but I love listening to your insight. The fans love you. And, um, we will definitely ha- have you back, hopefully on a permanent basis pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like I said, let me know. I'll get my Biggie I'll ready. I'll talk to your agent. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Biggie. I know. If we can get that Biggie <laughs> theme music, I think that would that would sell it. Thanks, uh, Sue. No problem. Thanks, guys. And now, fans, let's head into the fourth and final quarter. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, fans, now that you have the scoop on the preview between Minnesota and L.A., let me tell you about the game schedule. So the series starts in Minnesota on Sunday, October 9th. That's 3 p.m. on ABC in Minneapolis. And then October 11th is game two. That's Tuesday, 8 p.m. Also in Minneapolis, ESPN2 will have the broadcast. Then the series shifts to L.A., and that's October the 14th. Yes, that is a Friday. And that will be on ESPN2 at 9 p.m. Eastern time. All of these are uh, Eastern time. And then game four, which we're hoping happens, is on Sunday, October 16th. That game will be at 8.30 on ESPN. And then game five, and that's in L.A. And then game five will be back in Minnesota at 8 p.m. Wednesday, October the 20th. And then a champion will be crowned. Again, it's the best of five, but we're hoping that it goes five games. Now, to wrap our show, Tarika has been taking questions, hashtag around the rim, both on Facebook as well as Twitter. And Tarika, what's out there that we need to talk about? Well, we just got a couple of questions from a few fans um, who just wanted to know a couple things about our finals matchup between the Sparks and the Lynx. So our first question comes from Ronnie Anderson, and he wants to know what player on L.A. outside of the stars must have a big series in order for L.A. to win? You know, in my opinion, I think there are two very critical pieces. Number one would be Essence Carson. She is kind of the unsung hero. She does the little things. She plays hard defense. Uh, She doesn't turn the ball over a lot, doesn't make mistakes, makes the right passes. To me, they are at their best when she is playing mistake-free basketball. Um, And then I also think Chelsea Gray off the bench. You know, when she comes in at that point guard spot, she's got incredible vision. She's been shooting the three well. She moves Christy Tolver to the two. I think she'll also be a, a big part Um, of the LA supporting cast I completely agree you actually took mine which was Chelsea Gray she's had some of her best performances late in the season (laughs) yeah you're in my head LaChina so (laughs) that was mine I think if Chelsea Gray plays well then she definitely leaves open the opportunity for everyone else to step their game up and 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 they have a great chance for sure all right our second question and there's a total of three comes from Ulrich Moore, and he wants to know, with Candace making it deep in the playoffs, was getting cut from the Olympic team a motivating factor for her playing well this season? You know, I definitely think that was a part of it. You know, in my opinion, Candace is one of the best players in the world, so I can imagine uh, what a blow it was for her to get um, cut from that team. But I think there's been a lot motivating Candace. She's never been to a WNBA Finals, which is just crazy when you think about 
how she started her career as an MVP and a rookie in the same season in her first year. So I think that was a motivation, but I also think losing um, Pat Summit, you know, a coach that meant so much to her, a coach, a mentor, a mother figure, um, you know, I, I think that really has motivated Candace as well. She wants to make her coach proud and wants to represent her in every way. And she definitely has in her play in, in making it to the finals. This is not how it works, LaChina. You can't take all of my answers. Like, it can't be a discussion if we're saying the same thing, <laughs> which which basically with me, I want to disagree with you, but I can't. Like, I, I think that her not making the Olympic team was a crucial part of how she performed late in the season. But I also think that, you know, losing her coach, Pat Summit, and how she played a vital role in her career. And as you said, she hasn't had an opportunity to even consider playing for a WNBA final since 2008, since her rookie year, when she was literally just a game away. So I think there's been a lot motivating her. And then on top of that, she's got teammates that are playing lights out, which anytime you've got teammates that are playing the ultimate best, it motivates you to play the best that you can for them. So with NECA winning the MVP this year, I just think that she had a lot of, of things around her to help motivate her game to, to take it to another level. And, you know, honestly, I know we haven't gotten to predictions yet, but I can just go ahead and throw it out there. I'm hoping for an L.A. victory. I'm picking L.A. in five. Oh, look at you, Tarika. You needed to throw that in. I did. You might be in the minority on that. I know I am. Everyone's going to roll with Minnesota, but I'm going to roll with. I think what really puts it over the edge for me is the loss that they did incur to L.A., they did by 18 points, and I get that there were some other factors that contributed to that. But, you know, when the games are tight, it seems to roll in Minnesota's favor. And I think what L.A. needs to do is to find a way to widen that gap a little bit. And if they can do that, mm. and if they can do that on the road, let me find out L.A. going to be hoisting that trophy at the end of the season. Oh, let me find out, Tariqa. Let me find out you're going to be hanging out with Magic. Okay. Okay. I like that. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Fans, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for all of your support of Around the Rim. Continue to keep in touch with us through social media. Hashtag Around the Rim. I am at LaChina Robinson. Uh, Tarika Foster Brasby, our producer, is at She Knows Sports underscore. And tune in to watch the WNBA Finals. It is going to be an amazing ride between two heavyweight teams, two amazing coaches, uh, great franchises, wonderful fans, two fabulous cities. So make sure you tune in to watch. We gave you the schedule, so no excuses. Set the DVR. And until next time, we thank you so much for listening to Around the Room. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.